0: welcome to the tell me something real podcast
1: real people real stories real talk greetings realists thank you for joining us for an episode that i hope will change your life today we are going to talk about narcissist personality disorder or npd for short What are the symptoms and warning signs to look for to determine if someone is a narcissist? Why do we need to keep narcissists away from our inner circle? We're going to answer so many great questions, and there's lots to talk about, so let's get started.
0: Okay, Heather, so let's just jump into some quick updates this week. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is how badly I have been missing without even realizing it, going to coffee shops and picking Mm. up a cold coffee and a pastry. And we've talked a lot about coffee on this podcast, so I don't want to get like crazy into coffee.
1: And mm-hmm. we talked
0: about how, you know, I'm totally down with just getting like a Starbucks, which I do every couple of weeks or something. Okay. And I like that you can order the coffee online. Now, mm-hmm. I've been to a coffee shop before and didn't like it at all, but I guess they've had a little reboot or I'm just getting really desperate because I really want to try it now because they have these cool drinks. I like that you can switch up the drinks. You can order them online. You can go grab them, whatever. Mm-hmm. The problem is Heather, that if I just want a coffee,
1: it's seven bucks.
0: Wait, what kind of coffee? dollars. What kind of coffee are you ordering? For like the most simplistic latte. And I'm not getting charged extra for plant-based milk because that's just what they serve at their place. I'm not getting charged, you know I mean? Like this is just, and not even a large coffee, not even a medium coffee, like the smallest, small coffee which will last Mm -hmm. me about three seconds. That's crazy. So this is holding me back because if I were to get a coffee and a pastry, it's going to cost me like 15 bucks. Like that is insane to me. I can't even fathom it. So I will let you know if that happens this week or not. Um, I am debating a midweek
1: coffee run, but I will let you know. We'll, We'll see. Okay. Wow. So I got to tell you, $7 is way more than I'm paying at my local coffee shop for an oat milk latte with a shot of Irish cream, mm-hmm. um, 16 ounce. Yeah. I and mean, four fifty dollars is what that costs. So it's, what just, is, it's bizarre to me. I what just is don't $7? understand. What
0: is $7? Right. What is $7?
1: Like, like what I, I cause I'm going to tell you, I'm already, I mean, we live in a world where so many people are lactose intolerant. Like even mm-hmm. if you're not vegan, even if you don't care a thing about the horrors of the dairy industry, I am so fed up with vegan tax at the coffee shop. I literally want to throw things at people every time I go to get a coffee and see that I'm paying a dollar just to like, I go to the little store where the baristas buy the stuff, like the wholesale store. It's not really more expensive to okay. buy well and on, the, on that note that Heather, milk, <laughs> than it is to buy the regular cream like they're at pretty the much grocery the same store,
0: price. It's more expensive to buy dairy than it is to buy plant-based milk.
1: So, so what is the vegan yeah. tax really for? It, to me it's just literally that it's a it's a tax for not wanting to, for making them have to buy something different each time they go. I it. think
0: it's just a deal with the dairy industry. Well, it's a conspiracy that we'll I have to deal with it at some point. But my, but my yeah. anger
1: with it has caused me to dramatically pull back. I used to probably get a latte like every day or mm. every other day. And now it's a rare treat because I get so angry. Uh, we do have a little local coffee shop. Like I said, it's only $4.50 for a 16 ounce um, coconut milk latte or oat milk latte. And, and I feel like that's less than $5. I get 50 mm-hmm. cents back. That's my tip. I am A okay and my tenth one is free. So
0: yeah, I could handle a 450 16 ounce. Like I am down mm-hmm. with that. I think that's fair. And it, if it's a latte and it has um some sort of like flavor in it, mm-hmm. I am I have no problem paying 450 for for that. Um but seven dollars to me is absurd. absurd. And is every place
1: that, that you've been charging the same or is it just the vegan shop?
0: um well they're not a vegan shop they have things that aren't vegan it's just that like a lot of times like they have a little a little setup at the local uh farmer's market and when they do that they're like all these drinks are vegan you know Mm -hmm. because they probably don't feel like taking 18 different types of milk with them you know um yeah i get it when they do that but i mean everywhere so if it's not that, and that's just what it is, they're not telling you that they're charging you more for plant-based milk. That's just how much they charge for their drinks. But mm-hmm. all the other shops, you're paying extra for the, the syrup. You're paying extra for mm-hmm. the the different types of milk. You're paying extra. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just make a latte cost a certain amount, a latte. Okay. So a latte costs more than a coffee. We all know this. It makes sense. You're putting different things in there. So every latte should cost the same amount, whether you're putting syrup in there or milk in there, like all of that should be your choice. And I think that that's sort of what this place is doing. It's just that $7 Mm. is too much because you know what? I know how much coffee costs, because i buy coffee weekly like at the Mm -hmm. store and then i drink it i make it and drink it at home so i already know that i'm overpaying for coffee but i shouldn't Mm -hmm. be like and you know what espresso that's like you're using so much less than coffee like the amount
1: of beans that we're using here it's ridiculous and let me just add that they can't say it's because the minimum wage because South Carolina has like one of the lowest minimum wages in the country. And meanwhile, out here in Oregon, which has one of the highest minimum wages in the country, my coffee is only 450. So what's even going on there?
0: Yeah. And you know what the thing is, is that you're never going to tell me at a coffee shop that you're not making enough money Mm -hmm. um, and that you can't afford to pay your workers a decent wage and that you can't afford to pay your workers at all, or that you have to make the coffee really expensive because You know what is never gonna go out of style? Coffee. No one's, it's a legal stimulant. No one's ever gonna stop drinking it. And you're Mm. always going to have business, you're always going to have customers. And so there's absolutely no reason to make coffee crazy expensive because all it does is make me not go get coffee. It just makes me make coffee at home. So it's like, I hardly ever get lattes either. Um, and it's a treat when I do get it. And now it's seriously like maybe once or twice a year. Um, and it's because I will see, I will talk myself out of it when I see yeah. something like $7 latte. Cause I'm like, you know how much I could buy with $7? <laughs> that's like a whole week's worth of cheap meals or something like that's crazy to me.
1: You can make a pot of spaghetti and eat it for... Four days yeah
0: so anyway i mean like i might treat myself to that just because you know what i deserve it um but they do. don't deserve that money so it's you know it's really touch and go we'll see if between now and the next podcast i've talked myself into or out of that
1: so the one thing i've been talking myself into but i guess also i've been talking myself out of because i've never bought it is the at-home espresso machine and yeah. i think it's a counter space issue but I promise you, I've always wanted my own espresso machine. And I don't know if I would ever go to a coffee shop again, if I can make my own espresso at home.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have actually been considering this as well. Um, not seriously, just in the like, someday when I have an extra $500 or whatever um, situation. It's just mm-hmm. that I don't know if because also for me, lattes are a calorie thing. I don't want to drink that many calories at one time. And I like that coffee doesn't do that. Coffee's like 10 calories and then you add, you know, like whatever. And I don't add that much usually to coffee. So I like that I have to go out to get a latte. Um, but there are things mm-hmm. about it that would be really attractive to be able to do that at home.
1: All right, well, thank you so much for that insightful look into coffee. And hey, South Carolina, get it together. What, what's up with $7 coffees? That's it's not just cool. South Carolina. It's every, I mean, I've lived in all not sorts here. of places. Um, not here. Maybe I mean, if it, it was at the airport or like in Vegas, I would see $7, but out here, I mean, my coffees are averaging four fifty 50 to 5 Yeah, I would say 5
0: has been like a general... I've always paid about $5 for a coffee. Now I have paid more for lattes in almost every place that I've ever lived, but I've mm-hmm. usually paid about $5 for just a cold brew, medium-sized cold brew with maybe like a flavoring. There's like way too much. It is way too much. We're not arguing like the, it is, we agree. That's true. We are trying to figure out why. I mean, I kind of want to have one of these coffee people on here just to be like, Tell tell what's up.
1: Yeah. Okay. So if coffee people, if cool you're up.
0: listening, if you if you own or manage a coffee shop, uh, you know, tell me something real podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We please come tell us what's going on because I've worked at a coffee shop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I that's know that's one that
1: job I've never had.
0: It was not fun. Um,
1: because coffee
0: shops are always crazy busy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, just assume
1: that they keep you like jacked up on caffeine so that you can be that happy looking all the time. Oh,
0: well, I worked at a place where we weren't really happy looking all the time.
1: Oh, well, so in Oregon, the drive through coffee uh-huh. hut is pretty much the main staple. Like, I have I never even,
0: been to a drive through coffee hut.
1: Well, okay. I've so seen my- them.
0: I avoid, I avoid drive through coffee things at all costs. I yeah. want to see you making my drink, especially if I'm asking you for you can something, see them.
1: they make it right there. You I'm can not, see
0: them making I that. do not. I don't like drive throughs
1: So when, um, when I lived in South Carolina, I'd only ever seen one drive-thru coffee hut and I had the same feelings as you. I was like, who would drive? Like I wanted to go into a store. Well, then I came to Oregon and it's all drive-thru coffee. And now the idea of getting out you of my You say that car, like I've
0: never lived in Oregon before. Remember, I I lived in Oregon for a while and never once did I go through it. I I would never, I hardly drove my car when I lived in Oregon. Like I walked everywhere. And most of the coffee places I went to were coffee places where I actually went in and sat for a decent amount of time.
1: That's overwhelming for me. So (laughs) I I can't even make sense of it. Um, If I'm getting a coffee, I promise you, I'm not getting out of my car to do it. And if I have to get out of my car, it's a no. That's a hard no. I went to a Starbucks. Uh, I was craving this one specific drink Starbucks makes. I just really don't like Starbucks, but. See, I feel um, like most people drive through Starbucks. The Starbucks didn't have a drive-through and mm. I was so mad that I had to get park, get out of my car, walk all the way in. So.
0: I mean, I will say that since I've been getting Starbucks every couple of weeks um, in the last mm, two months or so, I always just order it on the app online and then walk in and grab it, Hmm. which I love. I love that so much. They have never once messed up my order. I just walk in it because I always order just like an iced or a cold brew with Mm -hmm. Irish cream or, you know, whatever kind of syrup. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so easy to make. So it's always ready. And I swear to you, if you just walk into a Starbucks or any coffee place and order just a coffee, you could be there for like half an hour for them to yeah. make it. So I yeah. love this whole like walk in and pick things up thing. It's my yeah. favorite.
1: Oh, I like that. But I would
0: thank the pandemic for that.
1: Yeah. Um, there's something I wanted to thank the pandemic for.
0: Oh, oh dear.
1: <laughs> I had it in- had uh, the experience last night and I, I hope we never go back and i i don't know if this was a thing you could do before the pandemic because if it was it wasn't on my radar so pretty much the only way movie theaters could reopen was by giving people the option like in the beginning mm-hmm. was to give people the option to rent the theater mm-hmm. and then bring like 20 of their closest friends right mm-hmm. So we've sort of toyed with this idea. Some of the local smaller theaters um, gave you that option. And then they said, you can pick like any movie that we can get on DVD and we'll show it for your friends. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. We could do like Labyrinth or, you know, something really fun from our childhood and you know, Mm -hmm. to have the kids there. But I mean, it's pricey. I mean, it's, it runs, you know, one to $200. I
0: would have thought it would be a lot more money than that. That is not bad. That's it. Especially if so, you're bringing a bunch of people who can pitch in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I figured that's what it costs for 20 people if they all paid to go to the movies. That's what sure. it probably would come up to be. So, you know, we have a little baby, but she's kind of getting to the age where she's like able to kind of get into movies and she'll sit and watch things for like a little while. And you can see she's actually into it. So we took um, everybody out. We rented the theater and we went and saw the new spirit like cartoon movie for kids about the horse there was a one that came out years ago that we loved and now this is the new one so yeah it was so much fun like I would never choose to go back to the movie theater any other way like the baby run around we could I mean nobody cared you know
0: I think that's actually okay so for me that ruins it Like literally that one sentence that you just said just ruins it for me because for me, what I enjoyed, what I miss about the movie experience, which I haven't gotten anywhere but Los Angeles really is people sitting down shutting the F up and really just watching the movie and being there for the movie watching experience and like so I've been to some movies here now I used to really love going to movies in Portland because you could buy like a beer and a slice of pizza for like five bucks and Mm -hmm. they would play old movies for Mm -hmm. just a few dollars so for like ten dollars or less I could do all that and it was just it was an awesome experience I went to the movies multiple times a week but here I feel like everyone's just so loud they won't shut up during the movie I have been to so many movies where the whole movie all I was listening to was people talking Mm -hmm. and it's just so disrespectful and horrible and that's what like the movie people are supposed to be there for to keep people from Mm -hmm. doing that um so that would kind of kill it for me so what I do want to ask is if you rent out the theater can you buy concessions as well
1: of course Ooh. so we we, like pre-ordered drinks and popcorns they brought it to us um and yeah, and then there were no movie people that came in and checked on us. So really, to me, it just felt so much easier. And I want to clarify that all of our friends weren't talking, but if you are the parent of uh, an 18-month-old or two-year-old child, you will know that going to the movies is not an option because you're going to disturb everybody there.
0: Yeah, that, I totally just wouldn't take my kids <laughs>
1: And um, So I get that. So part of it was us just kind of getting a a read of how the baby would actually do in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Honestly, she did amazing, but you know, she had a few moments where she like needed to get up and, and, and run around. And for me, I knew I wasn't disturbing anyone because we rented the theater and uh, we didn't ask for anyone else to pitch in. We really were just like, Hey, look, we want to do this, but we're not going to do it for four people. So like how about everybody we know that has a kid just you know is invited yeah I feel like if it were that
0: inexpensive Mm -hmm. at a small theater near me I would definitely be down to do that like once a month or every couple of months Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I mean it was it was a totally amazing experience all the way around um you know so uh yeah I don't know we might do it again we'll see that's cool. But, uh, but yeah, I, I hope they don't take away this option. I really well, think, hope this is here to stay. That's
0: almost always been an option in everywhere I've lived that had small theaters, mm-hmm. even larger okay. theaters. I just always assumed that it was incredibly expensive.
1: Oh, see, I don't know. And like I said, it might not have been on the radar because yeah, like why would I rent a theater? Yeah. Um, but back during the, you know, sort of the height of the pandemic, that was, and we never did it. I mean, this is our first movie in a year and a half, I think, that we've gone to see in the theater. So. Right. I
0: can't remember the last time I went to see a movie. That said, there haven't been any movies that have come out in the last couple of years that I've had any interest in seeing. Mm-hmm. So I think the whole movie business has gone straight downhill. Um, probably because mm-hmm. all the all the movie producers got, you know, have fired.
1: It turns out that they're all was, rapists. was not a good thing. So yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, I enjoy the movie experience. There's lots of movies. So, and that's kind of been interesting because now they've released the new movies sort of direct onto uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix. And there's a lot of movies that, yeah, I'm not going to watch it if I'm at home and that's it. But there's movies that I'll go to the theater for that theater experience, you know, even if maybe that movie's not something I'm super interested in, Mm -hmm. so- it was nice to have have the experience and to know that nobody was going to sit next to me on either side. I always get creeped out about like, oh, what if there's somebody that has to sit next to me. Yeah. I just don't
0: like that. I really they, definitely like, miss It's really close being able... to being
1: next to a stranger. Yeah. I definitely
0: miss being able to um choose your seats online mm-hmm. and not have to worry about like And I like to do it because I like to sit in the very back but it completely Mm. depends on the size of the theater because I want to be kind of eyes length with the middle of the screen. And so I want to be in a smaller theater and I want to be in the very back because I don't like people behind me when I'm Mm. watching a movie. And I don't want anyone anywhere near me. I really don't. (laughs) So I feel like we have a lot of updates this week. We do. That said, I don't want to take up the entire episode with just like updates because I know that we have a big episode ahead of us so is there are there any pressing updates that you want to talk more about before I just have
1: one just one thing uh I just wanted to say that we bought a new horse and I'm so excited um this is a totally different situation for us um we we bought this former racehorse Mm -hmm. um who I think has been pretty significantly traumatized just through the natural course of being a racehorse. And so the other horses we have bought have been like older and, and really like easygoing, you know, get on and ride, totally nice, fine horses. Um, this is the first like kind of crazy horse we've ever bought. So it's gonna be really neat and I'm really excited because first of all, it's like one of those things where like we got him and we brought him to our farm and it's his first time probably ever having access like continuous access to a pasture. Wow. And that to me is so powerful to think mm-hmm. that, you know, I get to share that experience with this really amazing creature. So anyway, I, um, I'll i update you guys here and there about how it's going with the new off the track thoroughbred horse but um,
0: anyway, yeah, that's name, pretty
1: exciting. His name is Jerry, which is so cute. Like Garcia. Like Jerry Garcia. Yes, <laughs> that's that was a big, big part of me loving him. I'm like, hey, his name is, and he knows his name. Oh, never, you didn't name him? No.
0: I was like, of course, Heather named him that.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't first of all, I don't like animals with people names. Like it that's just bothers me. There's so many words in the English language that you could name an animal, like. There's tons of people who have those people names, right? If you have kids, you can name them those names. But uh, I like really interesting names for animals, so.
0: I do too, but I also kind of feel like, um, I wonder why, I wonder if that's something that we have been taught to like, because it allows us to separate ourselves from the animal and not make ourselves like the animal, because if animals had people names, then I don't think that people would
1: treat animals
0: as badly as they do.
1: Well, I don't know if I agree with you on that, because I've met lots of animals with people names that have been treated pretty badly. I
0: I actually don't know that many animals. I don't know any animals with people names. I've never Mm -hmm. had an animal that was named. I know that's not true. I had a guinea pig named Fred.
1: Um, No, that's, but I mean, Fred's, Nobody's naming kids Fred anymore. That's just quickly an animal name. (laughs) Or maybe a rock, your pet rock named Fred or something like that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, no, I didn't pick the name Jerry, but he knows his name. He actually will come to his name, which is such a cool thing. Um, Usually when we buy a horse, I will immediately change its name, um, especially if it has a human name. But my trainer told me that that's bad luck. And since I guess I'm going to subscribe to this new belief system i didn't know about uh i am hmm. going to have to stop renaming my horses because maybe that's what's been going wrong
0: Ooh, um yeah
1: it's causing me all this bad luck so interesting yeah all, all right, right. well you learn something new every day yeah so that's all i wanted to share with you guys i'm really excited right on and after this i'll be going to take jerry to the vet for the first time to see what all kind of stuff he's got going on so
0: well that hopefully be fun that goes
1: well and expensive <sighs>
0: As vets tend to be.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, Kelly, how about we just take a short break and then we'll come right back. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So we're back. Well, today, Kelly, I'm so excited that you wanted to talk about this because after our discussion last week on stalking, I think this topic is really relevant, mm-hmm. which is about uh, narcissist, narcissist personality disorder. Is that the right way Narcissistic. to say it? Narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. (laughs) There's so many different ways to say that. Narcissist,
0: narcissism, and then narcissistic.
1: Okay. Narcissistic personality disorder. So we'll just say NPD. Yeah. Because what I learned um, from my first experience with stalking and, and as I've moved on and now working the the career I do as a victim advocate, that abuse and stalking behaviors Um, often come from people who are narcissists Mm -hmm. and so if you can identify a narcissist in your life then you can probably bet that at some point in the future there might be some concerning situations involving that person and maybe you want to just keep them at a distance so I thought we would kick it off because you know I love a good definition Mm -hmm. Um, to just I went to the mayoclinic.org and just pulled off The textbook definition of NPD which is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance a deep need for excessive attention and admiration troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for others so that's Mm. a concerning combination of things to be happening
0: yeah and like I went to psych central to to look at this because I didn't want anything that was too textbooky. You know, I wanted to actually be able to understand what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting about NPD is that like many other personality disorders, I guess there are 10 different types of personality disorders. um, There are all sorts of traits. And obviously any of us can exhibit some of these traits at different points in our lives. But Mm -hmm. the difference in having a personality disorder and having just like a trait of it is it's going to be consistent if you have this personality disorder and it's gonna grow over time usually. Um, But it was, yeah. So I just, I think the different aspects of this are really interesting because, Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about what potentially causes it, Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the factors that go into how it's caused. But mm-hmm. so I'll just read a couple of things that I, I found interesting from that website. Um, so just bear with me as I like scroll through and look at things. Yeah. Um, but NPD is mainly characterized by behaviors that are dramatic and exaggerated, emotional and intense, erratic and unpredictable. Mm. So Another thing that I thought was really interesting about NPD is that it can be overt or covert. Mm -hmm. And the characterizations um, and the attitudes and behaviors of being overt or covert seems so different. But when you think about it, when I think about people who totally exemplify NPD, They definitely have one or the other of these whole sets of behaviors. So Mm -hmm. overt narcissism, which is also called grandiose narcissism, that's not important, but whatever. Um, So it's mainly characterized by attitudes and behaviors that are arrogant, pretentious, dominant, exhibitionist, aggressive, and self-assured. And that's what I think is really what we typically think of when we think of narcissists. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that makes sense. Like we can totally see someone usually out and about in social networks and go, that person's such a narcissist. And we say it in like a really, you know, blase kind of way, you know, like it does, you know, perhaps they're not clinically a narcissist, but those are the behaviors I usually think of when I think of narcissists. But then covert narcissism can involve being anxious overly sensitive, particularly in regard to criticism, insecure, defensive, depressive, and withdrawn. Mm, So that, and it says, even in covert narcissism, people will still exhibit self-absorbed behaviors. Like secretly, they feel like they're superior to everyone else and have Mm -hmm. a decreased ability to put themselves in other people's shoes. Yes. And I feel like that's actually the type of narcissist that I am more familiar with. Mm -hmm. I just don't typically associate with narcissism. Interesting. So I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I appreciate there being, um, a designation that there's two different kinds because you're right I think the overt is certainly what I think about and I think also is what I've had probably the most experience with mm-hmm. personally
0: tell us more about that in your line of work and stuff
1: yeah absolutely well <clears throat> I'll start with that uh, I definitely have been into long-term relationships with narcissists two different narcissists Um, One of those, I spent nine years with this person and they were diagnosed with narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, while we were dating. Wow. At that point in time, I didn't really understand what all of that meant. But what I know now is that meant I should have run away as fast as possible because these are the people who definitely are more verbally and emotionally and financially abusive, just their very nature. I mean, just think at what we defined them as, they're not going to be good in relationships. And actually one of the symptoms um, is that they really struggle in relationships, you know? And that's how you can kind of identify them uh, at times is because they, they have trouble having real relationships with people, you know, not just surface relationships. I think a narcissist is the kind of person who on the surface is friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes them. They get along, you know, they come off really well. I know my um, former partner uh, would go into social situations and he would just start talking to random people. And generally speaking, I think people had a very positive view of him from those Mm -hmm. interactions, but uh, he had no friends, no actual friends ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because and I he, think
0: it's very difficult for narcissists to make, um, emotional connections with people.
1: hmm And, um, so yeah, he didn't have friends. He clearly struggled in relationships and only felt he was able to maintain a relationship through being very manipulative and, um, and really being very abusive. Mm -hmm. so um and then the other thing too is that he uh was a musician and he definitely had some really overinflated ideas he was a a fine musician um as good as anyone but he had some really overinflated ideas about how good of a musician he was or how much recognition he should be getting as a musician a lot Um, of musicians I tend to, to
0: believe have this this issue. Yeah,
1: I, I came out of that relationship saying enough musicians, like mm-hmm. that is not a healthy group. Yeah. Um, in a general sense, <laughs> maybe, um, but you know, we had been in a band together for a while and, and ultimately it just wouldn't work out because he ended up getting into a fight with anyone who ever had any ideas or wanted any, you know recognition for the work they did for me, I didn't mind. It was just a side project. It wasn't my career. It wasn't my springboard onto my professional music career, but, um, but there was a few people in the band that took it way too seriously. And, uh, and he really just could not handle anything mm-hmm. with, um with creative control. I mean, it was just crazy to see like, you know, how controlling he had to be. It's
0: really interesting too, because the people I've dealt with that I knew, so here's the thing. We're not mental health profet- professionals. Not at all. Um, and, you know, I'm just, we're going from what we've read, what we've seen, what, we, what we've, mostly what we've experienced in real life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that NPD is really controversial mm-hmm. in the way, like many other things that are diagnosed um, because it's hard to diagnose. It's difficult to diagnose a thing that, you know, many people have traits of, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that one of the things that I have noticed in the people that I, the narcissists that I have been involved with in one way or another is that they seem so sweet. Like they Mm -hmm. seem so caring and loving Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: amazing. And it's really manipulative Mm -hmm. because especially um, when it comes to men, a lot of times they will act like they are very, in my experience, I've dealt with a few Mm -hmm. who are like total feminists and on board with women and like, you know, all about people treating women well and right and, you know, equality Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And then it turns out they're like complete abusers. Yeah. Um, And so it's
1: so manipulative and
0: it's so hard to wrap your head around.
1: I would say that I am immediately suspicious at this point in my life of any man who is nice when I meet them. Men are Mm. not nice. That is not (laughs) who they are. They are, they, they can be a lot of things, but, but genuinely just nice to someone they just Mm. met unless they want to sleep with that person. Mm. No. That's which is a manipulation real. in and of itself. Of course. And so, yeah, I am, I am just right off the bat now. Um, it's a red flag. If you're nice, it's a red flag. If you're too nice, it's a red flag. If you're too pro women, <laughs> cause guys really aren't yeah. like that, you know? And, and the problem is, is, uh, you get kind of hooked in because of this super nice guy thing. I know I have, I know you mentioned my line of work. I see it all the time at work. Mm -hmm. These women, they get lured in with the nicest guy and they cannot let go of that person. They don't love the abuser that the person turned into, but they're hooked on this version of the person that's not real that version yeah, comes out when they need something or when uh-huh. they're afraid they're going to lose their victim. And so they have to draw them back in by going back, but that's not their real personality. Right.
0: And that. I will say, and that's why you have to be really careful, especially if you're getting into a relationship with someone that you're seeing all sides of them before you make any major life decisions with a person. Um, mm-hmm. and I will say, to just kind of piggyback off what you said is that what I've noticed is a, a, the red flag is that if any man <laughs> is too and I here's another episode where we're like shit talking men but <laughs> if any man is like to especially like when all the me too stuff was like really big in the news if any man was like I can't imagine like a man acting like that, or, you know, just like way too on a woman's Mm -hmm. side. It's because he's done that behavior. He's done that. And he is so completely in denial Mm -hmm. of being that person that Mm -hmm. like, I have met so many men, which is really unfortunate, who are completely in denial of their own behaviors Mm -hmm. that they will like present as this other character. And mm-hmm. you you get immersed in this character that yeah. they're giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like that with emotional abusers, physical abusers, it's like that with just jerks. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be men, it can be women too. Um, oh yeah, I'm but you know, can parents can be like that. You know, anyone yeah. can be like that, but it's just it, people Be be suspicious and not I hate that we have to be suspicious of kind people, but I do also believe that there is a very big difference in meeting someone and then being genuinely kind and just being like a light in a room and then being someone who's just overly uh endearing Mm -hmm. to you, (laughs) like for no reason. You know, it's just just pay attention to that because there's probably another layer of it that that you're not you haven't
1: seen yet. Yeah, I, I would definitely say be suspicious. I would agree with you on that. My other tip, just as sort of an easy thing that I've seen sort of across the board, is a person who is a narcissist will typically put down or even accuse anyone who doesn't fall for their act of being a narcissist, or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they really have to turn against the people because. The, for, for the facade to work, everybody has to be on board with the act. Everybody has to right. be buying in. So if there's anyone in the group who's like calling them on their <clears throat> shit, uh, then they have to be somehow labeled as you know a narcissist or that there's some some reason, some ulterior motive why they're trying to make this person look bad when in reality mm-hmm. like hey, like if you don't see what this guy is doing, like, that's crazy. I mean, it's so obvious. Um, I just recently had a situation where, um, you know, everybody was like, that guy is a narcissist. And he just called everybody that didn't agree with him a narcissist. And I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I've seen it in other scenarios as well, but um, mm-hmm. they're yeah. quick, quick to want to you know, turn against anybody and turn everybody else against anybody who doesn't believe them.
0: Mm -hmm. And I I will say that as the person in my friend groups who usually does call people on their bullshit, Mm -hmm. um, it is an immediate red flag to me. If someone starts acting grandiose in their manner they're Mm -hmm. overly nice they're overly attentive they're Mm -hmm. and it's all bullshit 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 you know and Mm -hmm. i see these this group of friends around them who this happens to me when i kind of walk into new friend groups Mm -hmm. and i'll see people around them just like completely pandering to them and Mm -hmm. completely like buying all of this stuff that they're talking yeah but the second you start to question them or question their actions, they will turn the entire group on you. This has happened mm-hmm. to me multiple times. You know, and I'm yeah. just like, why does this keep happening to me? But it's just I don't I, I don't put up with that kind of behavior or people who try mm-hmm. to get away with you know secretly being creepy people. Yeah. Um, but I see I've seen that so many times where people really will turn other people against you just so they don't get found out for being, Mm -hmm. you know, a fraud or a manipulative person or a narcissist or, you know, an addict or whatever it is that they are. Oh, okay. So I want to read to you what I read online that actually made me want to talk about this. Mm. Um, so I follow this woman on Instagram called the holistic psychologist Mm -hmm. and She also has a YouTube, I've done some of her YouTube meditations and she has little classes and things and she's really cool, but she posted something about narcissism. And what I really found interesting about it was that it made me think about narcissism in a completely different way or a slightly different way, because what I appreciate about therapy is that you can label people, anything that you want, but there's a reason that people are what they are. There's a reason that they got to whatever they are. And I don't always believe that it's just like a tweak in your brain. I think that things like this happen a lot of times because of environmental factors, family factors, like trauma, ways that, you know, we were brought up. So I like to look at all of the aspects of these things, not to condone people's behavior, but if we can figure out why, why we do the things that we do, then maybe we at least have a starting point in fixing, going back and, you know, fixing some of that, our trauma responses. Yeah. So she posted something on Instagram, like I said about narcissism and I just want to read it. It's just a few little slides. Okay. So narcissism is the complete lack of self that occurs in childhoods where there were no boundaries Mm. a need for the child to cater to the parents emotional state and a dynamic where the child was seen as an extension of the parent figure. Mm. And when I think about the narcissist or supposed narcissist that I know, all of that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, she also says, because the child didn't get any of their emotional or spiritual needs met, this becomes an obsessive focus in adulthood. Mm. This results in a lot of dysfunctional behavior, typically within relationships that is abusive, controlling, etc. Mm-hmm. All of this is fear-based behavior that comes from a combination of emotional abandonment and lack of secure connection with self. Mm. There is a misunderstanding that narcissism is an inflated sense of self. It's actually the result of extreme low self-worth most of us have narcissistic traits or wounding that become more and more clear as we are awakening and we do shadow work so and shadow is like the alternate part of self that we are like kind of seeking out or we can talk about shadow work later i've done a little bit of research that's
1: that's really fascinating because it sort of reaffirms what i was thinking which is how so first, my first thought always is, are narcissists born or created? When I mean, we're talking about any kind of uh, mental health type of thing. Are mm-hmm. they born or, or are they created? Or is it a combination of both that come together perfectly? And I believe that narcissists are created, particularly in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my experience with the two that I dated, um, they were the only children for the most part, Um, they may have had step siblings or or some other type of sibling, but they were the only child of those two parents. And their parents always talked to me in, you know, during our relationship about how they were king so-and-so or prince Mm. so-and-so and the whole world revolved around them. And, you know, it just, and they talked about it negatively, like, oh, he couldn't do enough for that kid. Or, you know, you know, he just demanded this, but I think that, a lot of that comes from, I mean, if you shut that behavior down really fast, I raised an only child yeah. and now I'm raising a second, what's going to probably to her feel like she's an only child since the older sibling will be probably in college by the time she is remembering things. Um, I've shut that stuff down and I do not cater to every whim. I've probably over spoiled or doted at times, but, uh, but yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just find it really interesting that, the parents of both of those people I dated had very similar ways that they described the child, um, that person, their child when they were younger, and, uh, and that they really felt like they were the most important person. But I think the parents feed into that and cater to that. And then it becomes very difficult when they become an adult to continue feeling wanted or you know whatever that feeling they got from being you know the overbearing parents or being king you know of their own world Um, well um and also
0: but also what she says about um not having any of your actual emotional or spiritual needs met yeah or um having a dynamic where the child was seen as an extension of the the parent figure
1: yeah And what I'm talking about is that the parents in place of emotional or spiritual connectivity with their child chose buying stuff, taking them places, dressing, you know, making them feel inflated in material ways, you know, but, but doing that because they didn't know how to parent in an actual, like emotional connection way with their child right and so where
0: i um have seen that is in parents who make the child like they're not getting their emotion they're not having their own emotional needs met and they're Mm -hmm. not they don't have a good relationship with their partner so they sort of make the child their emotional partner um yes where the child becomes the the you know, the person yes. that they talk to about all their problems or, mm-hmm. you know, and they're again, like she said, there are no boundaries. There are yeah. no boundaries. It's not, I'm your parent and you're my child. It's let me come home and talk to you about all of my work problems, or let me talk to you about my sex issues, or let me talk to you about whatever and putting that burden on a child that you should Instead of figuring out your own stuff and then working on whatever stuff you have with your appropriate partner, you're putting all of that on a child. And the child has no idea how to meet their own emotional needs, much less meet your needs. Of course. Um, Yeah. So and even this Psych Central article says, like, and to me, this is a this is a lot like, you know, and it's controversial to say this. It's a lot like addiction in the Mm -hmm. sense that, like, okay, so they say it's a combination of two or more of these factors environmental and environmental and cultural influences early mm-hmm. life experiences and the parent child bond parent child mm-hmm. bond is such a big deal and yeah. genetics so i think i think addiction is very similar and i think that a lot of it has to do with i think you have a tendency or you don't have a tendency and then things happen in your life that either push you toward that tendency or don't and i think a lot of the times the reason that it's controversial to not put all of this on genetics or something going on in the brain is because we seem to have a real problem as humans with taking responsibility for things and then actually trying to change them, you know, um, because change is very scary. And Mm -hmm. when we, when we try to change, we might fail you know so we don't want to do all of those things we don't want to take those big leaps because we're too afraid of failure not acknowledging that failure is part of the process and it's it's a growth and you're not always going to succeed perfectly every time at everything so i think that a lot of times we say oh well you're a this or that or we just put labels on people and then kind of throw them to the wind, you know, without going, no, you could actually work on some of this stuff. And that's not saying that it's not a problem or that it won't always be a problem for you, but it's saying that you could actually learn how to work through some of these things in a healthy way, because a lot of the, the personality disorders or addiction issues that people have come from not having healthy ways to deal with issues. healthy ways to deal with anxiety, with not feeling loved, with not feeling cared for, not knowing how to process your emotions. Um, And these can happen from traumatic events or discrimination or abuse, like, or unhealthy relationships with parents. And it's not about blaming parents because we have to remember that parents are just people working on their stuff or not working on their stuff. Like we are like, we put a lot of blame on parents, but you know, at a certain point, we have to take that responsibility on ourselves, and you know, go okay. Well, yeah. clearly they influenced me in this way, and that was not helpful. So, what can I do to have a be- to create a better life for myself moving
1: forward? Yeah, because I mean, you can have bad parents, but I mean, you can't. I mean, it's going to be a long life and a lot of pain for everyone around you if you just decide that's the cop out and you're not going to ever change. And I have someone in my family who did do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've just recently made the decision that I'm, I'm just not gonna not get engaged with that anymore because, you know, it's, there's just no, there's nowhere to go from there. Right. If you're completely stuck in that, maybe your parents did ruin you. A lot of people's <laughs> parents ruined them. Yeah it happens and you gotta, you gotta grow. It's from what that. you do with that. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, and they say here that people with NPD are sometimes more likely to develop other he- mental health conditions. And I think mm-hmm. we have to realize, like we talk about mental health disorders and mental illness. Like it's some crazy thing that only happens to some people every once in a while, we are always dealing with mental health every day of our lives, some days we're mentally healthy, some days we're not, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, we have to start normalizing a normal thing. Um, okay. but so it says they're more likely to develop anxiety disorder, depression, and substance use disorder, which mm-hmm. makes perfect sense because these are all ways that we cope with things. And if we never learned how to properly cope, then all sorts of havoc can be wreaked. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I'm like, what am I saying?
1: It's just kind I'm getting of a little heady right now. But yeah, <laughs> calm it down. I follow you. But yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely on target. So, and I'm I think you know I mentioned it last week in the stalking episode. I'm a big proponent in people recognizing that change is hard work, and committing themselves to do the hard work because when it comes to narcissism, it's not a pill you can take. Now, I think uh, I know at least one of the people that I was in a relationship with who was a narcissist, um, they were prescribed a medication that was to kind of mask some of the symptoms, but uh, really it's going to be intensive one-on-one and maybe group types of therapy Mm -hmm. and someone doing a lot of Hard work, it's probably going to take a long time, a two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two type of deal. You see what I'm saying? Um, and, and it can be very frustrating. But um, and so for that, I'm not super optimistic about it for narcissists because they're the people who say they don't need help. That's the right. other problem. They are so above it. They, it's not them that's the problem, it's everybody else's. Gosh, that's Oh my gosh, that's such another one of those common factors. Everybody else is the problem. Everybody else is to blame. How did they get so unlucky to live in a world where everybody is against them? It's just crazy.
0: Right. And I will say like, I have no patience for people who just believe that they are perfect and don't need any help or to do any work on themselves Um, and I know that there have been stigmas with therapy, um, Mm -hmm. in the past, I feel like therapy is like a cool thing now, you know, like, I don't think that it has quite the stigma that it used to, but I go to therapy every two weeks. And it's like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things ever, like Mm -hmm. it has changed my life and my relationships in so many ways and granted i found an amazing therapist yeah um and i do have a knack for finding amazing doctors in general but like you do have to seek out someone who will make you do the hard work and put a mirror in front of your face and Mm -hmm. not just someone who will listen to you vent or complain um You want a therapist who's going to call you on your bullshit. You do. Um, Because no one else, it's not worth paying money just to have someone, you know, boost your ego. It's just not worth it.
1: But I'm also amazed at how many psychiatrists and therapists will allow themselves to just sort of become tools of this person to do exactly Mm -hmm. that, to just validate them. And so they come back to you from their therapist with all this weaponized language. Oh, I had so much. Oh gosh. And that's That's why I say say too,
0: like I really think that if you are working on yourself with a therapist and you have a partner, it's all like, I think it's good to have a therapist with your partner as well because there should not be like one-sided situations because I have definitely seen situations where people will just hear, because the kind mm-hmm. of people who will just hear what they want to hear are going to yeah. do that in therapy in the same way they will with you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's also amazing to me a lot of, you know, how psychiatry can just be, I'm diagnosing you with this thing, here are some pills, you know, yeah. without helping at all. And that that's, again, I feel like, there are just so many connections with, you know, addiction, when we talk about any mental health stuff. Um, And I, I mean, addiction is a mental health issue, but it because that's so like it, it's so just get off the thing, get off the whatever you're addicted to. And then don't work on any of the reasons that you got to that place. And that's how stuff like NPD is. That's how, you know, all of Mm -hmm. these, these disorders are like, all right, well, we'll, we just need to get you to stop doing that behavior. So however we can do that with a pill, with a drug, with a whatever, let's get you to stop doing that behavior, but, and then you're fine. You don't need to worry about it because you're cured. Mm. So you need to find someone who is like, let me give you an example. So I got into a car accident and This was years ago and, Mm -hmm. um, I had whiplash Mm. and I knew that if I went to just like any old doctor, they would give me some major pain pills and send me home. Muscle relaxers Mm -hmm. and pain pills. Instead, I decided to go to a holistic chiropractor's office. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they said to me was, this is going to take a very long time to Mm -hmm. heal you're going to have to do like physical therapy for a while can you commit to that and it sounded really overwhelming to me it sounded like they just wanted money Mm
1: -hmm. but in
0: reality they were completely right because every time just like with some type of personality disorder just like with an addiction every time I thought I was fine Mm -hmm. and I could stop going to the chiropractor I would do something to throw out my neck or back And then Mm -hmm. I was right back to them because I was like, I was not doing the work. I was complacent. And I felt like, you know, oh, this was supposed to be a quick fix, but you really do have to put in the time and the energy and the effort. And I still have problems with my neck today. And that was over a decade ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I'm not doing the work, if I'm not doing stretches and, you know, the exercises and things like that, that I'm supposed to be doing. It'll just come back because you can never really be complacent. And I think people don't want to take on that kind of deep work because it is exhausting. It's the most rewarding thing, but it's also incredibly
1: exhausting, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't, like I said, I don't know if I have much hope for for people who
0: think they have no problems.
1: Yes. (laughs) And I'm, and I'm just saying that because I do work with my job. And I often have victims who have an interest in this person who abused them getting better, whether that's because they want to be back together with them, or that's just because they're the kind of person that's like, I don't want them to go out there and hurt more people, or they're the parent of my children. So I don't want my children to grow up with a, you know, really crappy parent who can't, you know, so there, you know, I have these long conversations with people about what are the chances that they're going to recover. And I'm like, eh, 2%. So, I mean, really, that's the, that's the actual reported, you know, uh, statistics of who can recover from this kind of behavior. It's very, so we have not figured it out yet. I completely
0: agree with you. And, and because of, I completely agree with you on all fronts and I can, comp- I, I, absolutely believe that if you do not recognize the behavior in yourself or at least recognize that something is keeping you from having connections with other people or making people stay away from you if, if you're not recognizing it and you don't want to do something about it and you're not willing to to work to fix things or to change mm-hmm. things or to shift whatever however you want to say it I agree. I don't think there's any hope for you until you get to that place. Usually, people Mm -hmm. do have to hit some sort of rock bottom. So, Mm -hmm. I think that we that's the point where we shift this conversation and we say, All right, this isn't a podcast for the people with narcissistic personality disorder. This is the podcast for Mm -hmm. the people who are surrounded or in a room or in a relationship with someone who has. Yes. narcissistic personality disorder what are the red flags what can you do we've already mentioned some of these things but mm-hmm. this is and like how do list. you deal with that <laughs> yeah that's what i want to hear right now yeah
1: i have a list because yeah i really my goal here is to help people be able to identify these people in their lives mm-hmm. and so uh, i wish i could now i can a- identify it but years went by where i was just like this person is so nice um, and so um like i said we've already talked about the exaggerated sense of self-importance and then you countered with kind of it being that they didn't get enough of that feeling of being important um so it's them seeking it so it could maybe come from two different places and maybe one is answering the how and the other answering the why but yeah i
0: think it can come from an, from a, it can come from the same place but it manifests in different ways
1: hmm yes Um, having the sense of entitlement or here's, I think one to look for requiring constant excessive admiration. If you, Mm. if somebody, you know, I can definitely think of people in my life who really want to be praised for everything they do. I used to have this supervisor and she was her own biggest fan. She would come in and just be like, I did this. And I, I mean, she just wanted everyone to go on and on and on. And I'm like, you did your job. Great right for you. So That's for all I'm of gonna...
0: you five love languages people, if if your love language or your partner's love language is words
1: of affirmation, be mindful of that. <laughs> yes, I mean because there's you know there's good good healthy sure you know needing to be affirmed, and then there's like this obs- almost obsessive, you know. And I'm not sure if you're allowed to use the word obsessive anymore, but I just it... We can do whatever we want. We've <laughs> real talking here um so uh expecting to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it that's another good Mm. one um okay someone who's preoccupied with fantasies about success power brilliance beauty or the perfect mate so these people who kind of like talk to you about like these totally unrealistic ideals and anyone over the age of 18 like I think teens do this I have a teenager I think teens do this all the time they're trying to figure out their place in the world and what they want and it's good to dream big and again it's um, not
0: about having one of these traits we all have one of these traits at different times it's about having like all of them all the time or many multiple ones all the time like consistently
1: yeah absolutely um but yeah I think that's another really good one because it's something you'll hear people talk about so Mm -hmm. you know be, be looking out for that um, believing they are superior and can only associate with equally special people, I've seen this one play out. Um, I used to have a boyfriend who said, "Beautiful people deserve each other." <laughs> well, he said it. He said it to me, and I read it. Stalking-ish behaviors Yeah. I read it in some text he sent to a girl when he was cheating on me, and I was like, "Oh, that's our phrase." And he said it to somebody else. And I don't know if I would have considered him to be in the beautiful people category. Um, No. But but he really believed that he was like super good. Both of these partners I had. Which is not the the same. It is really important that being a
0: narcissist is not the same as having high self-esteem or yeah. having social confidence or being assertive or mm-hmm. just not liking you or taking care of their appearance or being proud of their yeah. real accomplishments. No, We're talking a about an with exaggeration. No
1: Yeah. And this is a person usually who has no self-esteem. That's another characteristic. This is usually the mask they're putting on for the fact that they actually have no self-esteem. They don't have any self-confidence. And so they're trying to cover that up to the outside world. By by trying to convince you and themselves. Because then if you believe it, Mm -hmm. then it helps them to believe it too. Yeah um monopolize conversations and belittle or look down on people they perceive as inferior that's another great one so if they're you know (laughs) dominating conversations and then maybe those conversations are about how great they are (laughs) that's a red flag to look out for Um, expecting special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations Hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. yeah um one one like example that sort of comes up is people who don't feel like they should have to work as hard as other people at the job because this job is somehow beneath them or just them being there and showing up should be enough in its own so there's a real life example because sometimes I think like translating these kinds of Mm -hmm. statements into like well what does that look like in real life just trying to to relate some since I've seen so many examples of narcissism in my job. Um, take advantage of others to get what they want. I mean, that's sort of a basic one. And I would say sort of a driving force um, behind all these behaviors is that they're, they are they don't know any other way to get their needs met other than manipulating people. So that's yeah. what they do. Um, have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. So this goes back to that lack of empathy piece. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always you know, red flagging people that don't seem to be able to um, have any compassion for other people and and really cannot seem to understand why somebody else maybe, you know, is having a hard time or is struggling with whatever. Just
0: people who can't relate, people who are cold and can't relate to other people at all. It might not even be like, you know, being necessarily compassionate or empathetic, but just being in a room with people and not being, and feeling like they're, they're all on their own and they can't relate to anyone or, Mm -hmm. and it's usually feeling based, like can't relate to anyone's feelings. Or if someone's telling you a story about something or about like not feeling a lot of times it'll be like, if someone, if someone dies or someone got hurt physically Mm -hmm. or emotionally and they just can't grasp that at all no. in any way or say mm-hmm. something that makes you like say something really absurd and exaggerated and outlandish like it's something someone on tv would say you mm-hmm. know like something they're expected to say rather than something they're actually feeling in response.
1: yes yes and you know that comes up so much in um murder cases mm. because they'll really go through and review like the 911 call or the police conversations with this person, uh, after maybe their spouse has been murdered. And, uh, and it's like, they just, they weren't, they were saying the right thing, but there was something so empty behind it. They, yes. The emptiness. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. So you got to be on the lookout for that. Mm-hmm. kind of stuff Just because people can say the words doesn't mean that there's the feeling behind it. And it sounds different to me yeah. when somebody means something and when they're just saying it. yeah okay so another one is that they are envious of others and believe others envy them as well Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a neat one
0: that is interesting
1: (laughs) yeah do you have any
0: thoughts (laughs) on that one i've met those (laughs) characters I don't know that they were in particular, like particularly narcissist. I think it's yeah. funny. I'm, like I used to work with someone who um, came to me once and was talking about her husband, and she said, "I like she had this grand revelation. And was like I, I think he's a narcissist," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Duh, <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. But I mean, she was like really minted in the sense that, like, she'd been to therapy and she was like, he has narcissistic personality disorder and it can't be fixed. And, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, really interesting. Tough spot for her there. Um, the next one is to behave in an arrogant or haughty manner. Coming across as conceited, boastful, and pretentious.
0: Which I think is the most obvious thing that we think of when we think of narcissists. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that and acting describes- like that doesn't mean
0: you're a narcissist.
1: No, no, no. I'm, you know, but. But again, it's if it's something you, trade, you yeah. see someone consistently doing, um, yeah, I hate arrogance. Oh, it's so unattractive. Mm-hmm. Um, And again,
0: arrogance is so different than confidence mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. feels so different.
1: It does. It feels completely different. Arrogance Mm -hmm. has such an intimidating quality to it. And, uh, and, and, uh, I think a goal of like making you feel less than in the
0: situation. Perfect thing to say, because I was going to say people who are very confident are usually trying to rise up the people around them. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. they are, they are typically trying to lift others up. Yeah, And they have confidence in who they are and what they can do. So they're yeah. not at all threatened by other people also being great at what they're doing.
1: Yeah. And they're not competing with mm. everyone around them because they don't, they don't need to. And I think that competing behavior, it's not on this list, but I would say that's another one. So being competitive always compete.
0: is not narcissistic. Being
1: competitive is not, but competing with people who you're not in competition with, yeah. <laughs> who are on your team.
0: I know, it's so confusing. <laughs> I feel like we're just confusing everyone, but.
1: <laughs> well, there's like a spectrum, you know? There's like yeah. you, can, yeah. you can be confident. And then on the other end of it, you can be arrogant
0: just be aware that if you hear these traits and they remind you of someone that you already have like weird thoughts about or thoughts like I feel like this person might be manipulating me or making me feel bad or whatever go Mm -hmm. I should read more about narcissism Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) because they might have this thing
1: yeah um the next one is that they insist on having the best of everything, for mm. instance, the best car. And again, this isn't uh, the situation where people who like nice things, but I think it's people who put themselves and their families in terrible situations or they mm. you know, even do illegal things because it's so important for them to put this outward image of being successful. They, they drive, you know, the BMW, they live in the mansion in, in the nice neighborhood. Which is they, all
0: about low self-esteem. It's like, yeah. it's so odd. Ob- all of this stuff is so obvious when you think about it. It's just like, mm-hmm. then who hurt you when you were little? Like yeah. what
1: happened? Yeah. But it's definitely people that are like preoccupied with having the, you know, the best of everything because of the look that it, it gives them. Not people who just like to have nice things around them and, and can afford nice things. And why yeah. shouldn't they have them? Sure. Um, The last thing I wanted to touch on, and we kind of talked about this earlier, was um, about when you criticize a person who has NPD. So those can be other red flags. So if you're in a situation at work or with a relationship where you just make a, you know, constructive critique, you know, hey, uh, noticed you, you, you know, did this and I just wanted to, you know, how do they handle that? can also give you a sign of, of whether they've got MPD. And, um, and so some of those that um, the Mayo Clinic lists are, that they become impatient or angry when they don't receive special treatment, hmm. have, have significant interpersonal problems and like feel easily slighted, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. React with rage or contempt and try to belittle the other person to make themselves appear superior have difficulty regulating emotions and behaviors. So anytime people are, you know, people should be able to receive criticism, especially if it's not an attack. Um, yes, this is a yeah, big one. Away.
0: This be very weary of people. And I am not saying, now Heather, I think you are saying stay away, run fast. Um, I, am. <laughs> I am not saying stay away. I am saying, if you notice these traits in someone and you acknowledge them and bring them to their attention and then talk about how it makes you feel and they react negatively, then run away. That's that's not good. Yeah. But that is a big one to me that I notice is mm-hmm. people who see every type of criticism or or every critique as a criticism. When people feel attacked over every little thing, Mm -hmm. it's be, be mindful of that because they're telling you something. They're telling Mm -hmm. you that they cannot handle like criticism and why can't they handle criticism? What's going on in them that is, is making them unable to like, unable to be able to handle that without reacting in that way. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just again, be mindful of it because that's the thing is that When we notice things about people, because we have things about ourselves and we should be, people should be allowed to bring up things about us that bother them and concerns that they have about us. And Mm -hmm. so we want to be able to have open conversations with people that we care about, um, about all of these things, you know, about personality traits issues that come up, all of these. So if you're unable to have those conversations with other people, or they are unable to have those conversations with you, that's something that's worth
1: looking at. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Distance. Do not, it's okay for them to be on the perimeter of your life. Mm -hmm. If you're fine with that, or if they are a, you know, coworker or maybe a friend or they're in your friend group or whatever, but I would really shy away from getting involved in relationships with these people or any sort of really close friendship because your ability to then get kind of sucked in Mm -hmm. to the drama and then ultimately exploited or hurt or abused significantly goes up and and i think learning how to protect yourself from people who truly can be predators is really powerful because I think if you listened last week, you're going to know that the law and the police and the courts aren't necessarily going to protect you from a stalker. So you need to be able to identify these people and make sure you don't let them in so that it gets to a point where maybe your life is in danger. And the police are like, hey, we can't do anything till he kills you. Yeah, is kind of how the laws work. So, yeah. It's yeah. we very don't, scary. We don't want that to happen. So yeah, I, I really just want you to recognize and then be able to make informed decisions about whether you want these kinds of people in your inner circle or not. Nice, totally yeah. agree. Well, good. So
0: I feel like we've had a really thorough conversation about this. I
1: have learned a lot and I already thought I knew a lot about narcissists, (laughs) but uh, I don't often just sit and talk about narcissists all day, but I did want to point out that there is a book um, that I just recently found out about, and it is available on Audible. It's the Prepare to be Tortured, The Price You Will Pay for Dating a Narcissist. And if you get the audiobook, I think the total playtime is like six hours. So it's definitely not a super long book. And um, I've had some victims that have read this and come to me and talk to me about it. And so it's definitely on my like top things I want to read right now. Cool. We'll put um, it on
0: the podcast notes.
1: Yeah, I definitely would say if you're looking to kind of dig deeper into this, that would be, I mean, six hours, that's no you know, a few a few trips in the car for me at least <laughs> um, and you're done with it but uh, yeah I would say that would be a great uh, starting place to learn more right on all
0: right well if you have anything that you would like to add to this conversation again you can email us at tell me something real podcast at gmail.com you can send us a one minute or less a little voice message on our anchor page um, Mm -hmm. or come to our Tell Me Something Real podcast Instagram page or YouTube. Check us out. Yes,
1: well, good. Um, Yeah, so no, that's all I've got for this week. And um, I'm really glad that we talked about this. I think it's really important stuff. We don't talk enough about this in our society. And this should be something that like, moms tell their daughters, parents tell your kids, friends talk to your friends about this. Absolutely, absolutely. you know, if you see a friend getting into a relationship with somebody who's showing all these red flags, have a conversation, a supported, you know, positive conversation as a friend, not attacking them. Right. Would be <laughs> but yeah. And try to tr- just give them some, some information and some power to make better decisions for themselves. Because gosh, once you get into a relationship with a narcissist, once you're really in deep some people don't get out alive. That's yeah. the case. They either die in that relationship just of old age, and they never leave, or they actually, you know, are killed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, on that positive note, Heather, I hope you have a great <laughs> week with your new horse.
1: I hope so too. Off we go to the vet now. So yeah, and uh, and I. I will just add that if any of our listeners are interested in seeing horse updates or farm updates, then you can follow Deerwood Farms on Instagram and you'll see pictures of our animals, but um, I'm not going to start putting all that stuff on the podcast page, but it is there at Deerwood Farms if you're down for that kind of stuff. Cool. Okay. Well, have a great week, Kelly. You too. All right. Till next time, keep it real.